everyone, welcome to another episode of Lawyer Lifter Podcast. And actually, there are some um, current events that have come out this week, and it it kind of works out in terms of, uh, of the blog that is going to be posted on the website upliftlaw.net related to what constitutes, what is the atmosphere or what is the community in which speech is protected speech and where it is not protected speech. And of course, we're talking about First Amendment protection. And with social media and everything that you can do on social media, it's it's become even more um, at the forefront. Like when you are on social media and because of these algorithms um, that check like what you're liking, who you interact with, your community becomes actually more and more specific. And if you're liking certain things, we know that Um, you're likely not going to get contradictory things. So it really sets the stage for a a close-knit community in whatever you're liking, you know? And I, let's just take me, for example. Um, I have to go out of my way to like shit that I don't like. Like, I genuinely don't like it, but I'm liking it only because I want to disrupt the algorithm and be privy to other stuff. Because it's always in the back of my head that, okay, everybody has their own opinion and everybody says what they want to say in our spaces. So what really becomes the truth? What become what is really, you know, defamation? uh, And what is what's protected? And so in my little space, I... um, have a powerlifting community. And one of the things that has been very sexy to talk about is these the company Inzer. Um, Inzer is a company that's been around for a long time in powerlifting, and they put out uh, powerlifting gear for the sport. So that ranges from uh, belts and uh, singlets, and also the topic at issue this week, uh, knee sleeves. And there are other companies that uh, manufacture powerlifting knee sleeves. And for those who don't know, like, why why are we talking about knee sleeves in the powerlifting community? Knee sleeves are typically used by athletes so that it assists in um, the, the squat. And everybody is always attempting to in this sport, get the greatest and the best, but within regulations, because for example, the two major uh, powerlifting federations that run powerlifting competitions, uh, USPA and USAPL have promulgated certain rules related to gear so that things are fair. For example, if you are what we call a raw lifter, that means you pretty much have very minimal assist when you are squatting, benching, and deadlifting. So you are allowed as your gear or equipment to have um, specific power belt for you know stabilizing your back, for bracing, um, and you're allowed to have knee sleeves and um, uh, wrist wraps. And then basically that's it. 
Okay, so every so you as a an athlete are are attempting to find hey what fits me best. Now Inzer came out and essentially broke the internet in the very small powerlifting community because it is rather small. Um, although it is nationwide, it's worldwide because of social media. Everybody essentially knows like who who's who in the powerlifting community, and so Inzer had provided or have manufactured these knee sleeves that um, I were represented uh, by the company as being, you know, made of, of neoprene, which is a material that is okay, um, is it's legal in these two federations. And um, it's, they were charging above what's generally being charged by other companies for these knee sleeves based upon the representation that their construction of these knee knee sleeves was just um, of uh, higher quality neoprene or whatever. And so all of the powerlifters were grappling to go and get these knee sleeves because why? Um, Because these knee sleeves, uh, were supposed to assist are supposed to assist heavily in increasing your ability to uh, squat weight. So meaning my understanding is that it makes it so you can absorb that that weight better and you can like pop out uh, of the squat. And so that makes it very attractive for athletes who are hey, like I can have my hands on knee sleeves that are legal, but are so constructed that I can add more pounds, more kilograms onto my squat total. And that just drove everybody to purchase these knee sleeves. And there was, there was another break in the internet and someone had some people or what, or groups had said that, okay, Inzer made misrepresentations possibly about the integrity of this product. And so one of the federations, USPA, had said, um, everybody hold up with your purchases of these knee sleeves. We're going to look into it to ensure that this is a legal thing that athletes can use in competition. So that agitated so many people who have already shelled out some big bucks because, as I said, these insert sleeves are... Uh, much more expensive than what is customary for knee sleeves in the industry. And so what do we have here? We have a very, what, what it's like, well, Mel, like, what does this mean? Like legally? And it's like, well, it's interesting because I'm talking to you about a powerlifting community that is actually, it's, it's a uh, small and it's intimate, but what happens when we find out that, one scenario would be that there have been misrepresentations about the product. What happens then? Well, that leads to um, allegations that could be, you know, um, proven up related to fraud, false advertisement, intentional or negligent misrepresentation related to that product. But what happens if ultimately 
the the product these knee sleeves were actually true like what if they were made legally and we have individuals who went out into the powerlifting space and were saying otherwise which then took sales away from Inzer or which decreased the profitability of Inzer because we have so many people clamoring for refunds so then we have a scenario in which Inzer has actually suffered um, damages because of, in this scenario, uh, individuals or groups who have influenced this community to get their money back based on maybe a rumor. So what do we have there? Well, we we have a really sexy case of uh, possible defamation because if it turns out that investigations into the these knee sleeves show that they are actually manufactured within um, the parameters uh, of USPA and USAPL and that they were um, advertised correctly, then we have culpability from these people who were saying otherwise and because of their influence has now... Um, damage the reputation of a company. So it's very interesting. Well, we're taking something like an intimate space, like the powerlifting community in Instagram. And within a matter of hours, we had so many people breaking the internet with conjectures about whether the knee sleeves were misrepresented to the public, whether actually they were um, constructed uh, legally per the company's representation. So in that space, it's very interesting how the law will move with social media and all of the different dynamics that occur when just anybody can say one thing and change the trajectory of a business and the profitability. So um, that is in line with the blog that you guys will see up on the website about, hey, like, what really, what really can you say on social media and what really is protected? Another thing that's very interesting, like moving away from the powerlifting community, um, is that we are experiencing a war through social media. We are, we were experiencing or are experiencing, I can't, I can't track this anymore because yes, we experience and are experiencing a pandemic through social media, but now we are experiencing a war through social media, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Everybody is now an insider in a war that's in another part of the country. And what is crazy about this is a just anybody who is looking into it has to really do their own research as to whether whatever they're looking at on Instagram, is that misinformation or is that, is that like real time news from someone in Russia or Ukraine posting on their IG that's now being captured by someone in the United States on their IG. I mean, it's a very insane situation we have. Also, you know, we have to think about the influencers out there as well who can say whatever they want to say and literally change the minds of 
people and their opinions and what they believe in just simply uh, like turning their their IGs on or saying something on Twitter that could possibly be untrue based on nothing, based on no sourcing and uh, influence like what other people think about this war. I mean, it's very interesting. I also saw on some major news um, channels that people have been posting like war footage from not even this year just to manipulate the public into thinking that, you know, maybe a certain bombing or certain wreckage happened, but they, but these news, uh, these uh, major news channels revealed that actually this was swiped from like 2015 and would just was simply put out there on YouTube. And then all of these people like believed that this YouTube video was actually happening like now when really it was uncovered that it happened like in 2015. And that is crazy that any Joe Schmo out there can just command the attention of strangers who are looking genuinely looking to be educated about this war and it just kind of like makes everything really iffy as to who do we hold responsible if anything related to misinformation and manipulation of social media if we think about what social media was supposed to be and when when did it really kick in i think like 2014 or whatever it was like so innocent i think where it was like oh this is a place where i can like reconnect with family and friends and if you think about the the likes like that little thumbs up thing uh, i used to be on facebook i'm not anymore because it just became completely fucking toxic and i could i just like so I'm just now on Instagram, but I remember on Facebook, it was so cool to be like positive and just like click on the thumbs up and like a thing and like flashback to now, um, people are getting like really depressed and anxious when they don't accumulate a certain amount of likes. And then the, just looking at comments, it's just freaking heinous. Um, so anyways, the birth or the very beginnings of social media were very, I think, in my perspective, very innocent and e easier to regulate, I think, under the law because it was sort of like one flavor. Now, it is literally what I'm seeing on the litigation end. It's insane because I've got judges and opposing counsel that just because I produce something um, from someone, someone's Instagram, and it literally says their name and their face and whatever, I've got judges and opposing counsel telling me that, well, how do we know for sure? If you're really saying counsel that this person utilized his or her social media to defame or harass this person or to bring their company down? How do we know that they were the really the ones who were doing it? And how do we know that even if we say that this is the person doing it, that one of the key things in defamation is the fact that it's published, the fact that like people give a damn that it's out there. Really? So the next question is like, 
Well, did they really get damage, Council? Who really looks at that? I mean, they've made their stuff private because, you know, as we know on Facebook and on Instagram, you can make things private. So what does that do? Well, in in the courts, it makes your community much more small. So it tightens any kind of like harm that you would really incur, right? So if you make yourself private and you're out there being a fucking ass to everybody, um, in your in the community, a judge, and because I've literally fought, I fought and like just lost my voice arguing this. Like, just because you make it private doesn't necessarily mean that you can't unsee or can't unhear a thing. And it's just like telephone. Like, your private community can then take that information and spread it outside. So, um, it's become, it's become insane. And I like to use the phrase Medusa's head because it's just like you cut off one thing, it comes up again. Like there's, it's, it's becoming an art form to use the social media as like, Hey, I've got, I've got evidence. And it's like, well, yeah, you got evidence, but we've got, we, we have a lot of other like hurdles to jump over before we're able to admit that into evidence and have that really like be used credibly because a lot of people are getting savvy and realizing like, Oh, to protect what I tweet or what I um, put on Instagram, I simply have to couch it in this way, or I have to, you know, manipulate a little bit, um, manipulate some of these words, or I should just like, um, have it go up and then delete it, or I should have it go up publicly and then private my Instagram or my Facebook. So man, like all you like trolls and harassers out there, you're making my, my job more difficult, but it's interesting. So where are we? Like, where are we in the legal aspect of what's happening and in social media and, the the damage it truly can be done now i will say like yes social media can definitely damage companies and people and is it worth the fight to bring into court heck yeah heck yeah but it is an uphill battle so um tune in next time that is just my little bit about where we're at in social media and the law and what really constitutes the um, public space or the private space thank you for listening to the lawyer lifter podcast you can listen to other podcasts at www.lawyerlifter.com or your favorite podcast apps please don't forget to rate review and subscribe.